Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcasting Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Previously on Now and Again... Everything on the radio was about my pain. It's okay to like something. <laughs> it's also okay to not like something. It is absolutely. Like, that's cool. If the Backstreet Boys were Fonzie and Sync was a new and improved Chachi. Parents need to do that kind of thing. You know, my parents did not want to go see the Spice Girls. Let me, let me start that story. I'd imagine. BuzzFeed, 20th anniversary. Hey, Hanson's Mbop isn't what you really think it's about articles. Like, who could possibly give a shit? Fuck this guy. Fuck this song. So you have to really help me out on this song. Uh, okay. Fuck Zootsie Riot. We're done with that bullshit. Uh, this is a song called Shorty. You yes. keep playing with my head. Yes. Uh, by Imagine with a J. Imagine. Yep. Um, I felt like when I listened to the song for research, I kind of recognized it. You kind of know uh, the hook in the I've background. I've already forgotten what the song sounds like. Absolutely. I think you know one of the things. Like this band. This band has also been Eternal Sunshine from the internet. Yes. There's no videos. The Wikipedia entry is like. Three sentences long. There's nothing well, about these guys. I will make an insane comment about the Wikipedia for now. That's what I call music volume one. It is so well sourced. It, every song has a link except the next song, which is insane to me. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, Shorty um, by Imagine is, you know, this is one of those things where, like I mentioned a little bit earlier ago, I feel like R&B was not taken seriously by the world at large for far too long. And this was actually like a charting R&B hit. This wasn't, um, this wasn't some... Oh, I just remembered how it goes now. Sorry, I missed the chorus. <laughs> it, uh, this wasn't some... Um, I have to think really hard about it, though. I just can't remember who did the rap out of nowhere. The, it's, it is a guest star thing. Yeah. That rap is garbage. There's oh. no flow whatsoever. No, I think it's... It's really jagged. It's not good. I do feel that it was maybe a little bit Rush recorded. Also, there's a Prince reference in it. Oh, and that just... I feel like Imagine is probably going to forever be a trivia fact on the back of, you know, a Trivial Pursuit card for the fact that... Uh, that would be... No, well, not for the fact that There'll be, like, bar trivia, fair. maybe. Well, because Donald Faison's... I believe it was Donald Faison's younger brother um, was in Imagine. was a founding member, according to the Wikipedia. Little Turk. Uh, young Turks? Young Turks! Yeah, that's... Uh, man, young hearts be free tonight. One of the things that's really interesting is the next uh, the next song and this song both are actually pretty pretty legitimate R and B tracks. I would say that more about the next song. Um, I would say both. This actually R and B chart. I mean, it's an R and B song, but it's I I don't. The it's next what was song going on. is a really good. The next song, song is one of the most perfect I've songs of all time. About. And if you go on my Instagram, you can <laughs> find a video of me covering it about a year ago. It's it, it's on acoustic guitar. I'm really emotional during it. I thought I had a really good day, like facially. So I was really <laughs> eager to get on camera, and I wanted to do a song I really love. I actually don't have more to say really on Shorty. It's, yeah, Imagine's got nothing. Um, but this next song, uh, Brian McKnight's "Anytime," is one of the most. I, beyond the fact that it's a perfect performance. Well, fellow white as fuck listeners, like, I am so white. Um, can't remember why we... I can't help it. Do I ever cross your mind anytime? Just saying that without singing, do like, you now you know that song. wake up? Yeah. Reaching like, out for me. Oh, you no, know that song. You, you do. know this song. You can um, see Brian McKnight looking so fucking well, hot in that video. Every R&B song at the time was someone moping around, like, a really new 
architecture style house. Okay, and you know what's really interesting? I can also see like Joe's I Wanna Know. I wanna know, I wanna know. That and song I believe will come up in a couple of episodes. And yeah. I don't even know who Joe is. That guy. Well, I, I don't know if you're on that episode, and I'm going to be really sad about it when I talk to some other idiot white person. <laughs> Jesus dicks. Okay, so um, super talented guy, incredible songwriter. This song actually. is really good. He actually wrote um, some stuff that wound up on um, Alicia Keys' debut album, a song called Never Felt This Way, which um, she then segues into her song Butterflies. Okay. Uh, super great record. Alicia Keys' songs in A minor, just really a perfect, unbelievable recording. He gets naked for this video. Oh, he's so hot. You know, I feel like he did like the shot of him from like the V-line up, yeah. which... Who was the artist that D'Angelo? Whole... Yep, that video is unforgettable. Untitled. D'Angelo looks way better in that video than Brian. McKnight it was does. a different era. Was it? I think it was a couple of years later. I think that's, yeah, that's probably right. And by that point, the boy bands were taking off their shirts so much, being mm. thick and full wasn't enough. Now you had to be thick, full, and cut. So you know, it's a good, it's a good, it's you know, it's it's an R and B video, moping around a really expensive house in the shower, like head against the wall while the water drips down your face, uh, laying on some weird like bed chair thing. I gotta be real. Also, maybe a masseuse chair. That um, was my pain. That was my pain back then. I really understood what it was like to be Brian McKnight wondering. It's a really good song. And you know, the lyrics are super. Um, Super relatable. Still have your picture in a frame. Hear your footsteps oh, down yeah. the hall. Oh, yeah. No, it's a song that... I swear I hear your voice and it's driving me insane. It's a very relatable song. And yeah, it truly. Does it in a way. And, and the way he's, he's emotive in, in the singing, uh, to the way that, like, you listen to that song and it immediately takes you back to that, like, Great White Buffalo. You know, the one yeah. that cut away. And you're just like, oh, man. I still this do This is that. a really evocative song. It's good. Chris will... Uh, Verify, I'm actually kind of dancing right now because I can. Yeah, I can his arms see are him. out. Uh, mostly s- chest and hip movement. I can see Brian McKnight doing it. At the oh still yeah, no, have I've watched that video. Picture. Yeah, yeah, no, for real. What a great song. What a great artist. What a great performer. Great songwriter. Really, this is one of the reasons there is a now because it managed to get artists like Brian McKnight more out there. Yeah. You know, when we're talking about this time and we're talking about white people being scared of black people music. We're talking about things like Brian McKnight, who wrote really beautiful, beautiful music, really incredibly accessible music, but he wasn't getting radio airplay on white radio. He just wasn't famous yet. No, you had to be Hootie to get that. Yeah, because, and you know, one of the things is things like this, getting Brian McKnight's Anytime out there on the same collection with Hanson, you know that when Back at One came out, some little girl who bought this for Umbop was suddenly into Back at One a couple of years later. Or even their mom was. Or their mom was. You know, this was a really great... These collections were great equalizers in in music because they did allow the little guy to get his voice out there a little bit easier than you can now. Sort of like when um, uh, your favorite author used to have another children's book by the same publisher mm. have a two-chapter preview in the back. Uh, and, you know, sneaking Brian McKnight's anytime in their kind of backdoor style really, really, I think, did a lot for him. This was a big seller. It went platinum, and I imagine this was maybe one of the most uh, extensive through Pop America he had his music shared at this point. Is he producing still by any chance? Do you know? I sure hope he is. I believe he had a variety show like a couple years be. ago. A variety show, really? I believe he had a variety show a couple years ago. He um, really hell of a singer, hell of a writer, um, really excellent dude. Yeah, this song this song is worth a revisit. The song is really good. Super good. Well, the next one's a song that um, part of me feels bad that I don't hate more. I'm, I'm going to defend it. I'm gonna no, defend it I think time. it's actually pretty good, but I went into this being expecting to be like, well, this is shit. Uh, but Barbie Girl by Aqua is kind of a great pop song. Not a bad, I get it as an adult. Song. Yeah. You know, it's not a bad song. It's just pretty average. Mattel sued them and lost. I get that because you can't argue that your your brand is a is a global term. 
The judge also said Barbie has already been parodied a million times. A bazillion times. Why this song? Because it made so much money. Uh, I think more the problem was this song brought on parody like I'd never, ever seen. Yeah, this song is not remotely a satire. There's nothing clever about this. There's no... It's toothless. It is a parody, um, uh, Mad Magazine style in every way. Every way. Um, And I think... Down to the video. The video is pretty good, too. Well, and the song got parodied to no end. Come on, bimbo, let's go limbo. I'm a Jersey girl in a Jersey world. I'm sure those are all songs that were mislabeled as uh, attributed to Weird Al on Napster. Oh, I mean, a lot of them were, as you brought up, like morning shows. Mm, Because before there was viral video, there was morning shows. Hey, guys, just real quick. You know those quizzes you take online? Only 10% of people get better than six right. They're all created by morning shows to make you feel pretty so they can drive up their likes. Just heads up. Yeah, it's called clickbait for a reason, you ding-dongs. It, I mean, it really is. It's literally called bait. You're, I mean, it, guys, seriously, you're being intelligence catfished. So, <laughs> Did you watch this video? I've seen it. It's, I know um, it well. It's it, a, the video knows is, is the best evidence that this song knows exactly what it is. I mean, I think the video looks like a prototype for The Sims. I think. Oh, yeah. I think it has that very, down to the lyrics. It gets the plastic feel very well. Um, the guy, uh, you know, the, the girl in Aqua looks, she's, she she's does the Barbie thing fine for yeah. uh, as much as a brunette can do the Barbie thing. Um, the guy looks like Jean-Claude Van Damme and David Koechner had a kid. I mean, yeah, that's a pretty ugly face you just described. Um, I, you know, here's the other thing. There was a period of time where every woman was considered somehow incomplete if she didn't have a man echoing her every statement in a song. There was a band called Labouche. They were pretty great. They had Be My Lover. They had Sweet Dreams. They had You Won't Forget Me. Oh, and Be it My was Lover. A that's fin- a Jock Jams classic. Yeah, and I, I unfortunately forget the woman's name. I think her name was Melanie something. She sadly passed away right around the time Aaliyah did in a plane crash oh, as well. She had a guy who... Wrapped right under her, the the real McCoy, an early '90s dance band. Uh, I, I used to always say, if you thought a song was by Ace of Base and it wasn't, it, it was, was probably, probably by real, real McCoy. McCoy. Exactly. Um, they had a rapper always rapping really low underneath. Oh, be my lover, be, 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 yeah, be my it lover. was it was impossible for a woman to own herself in music. It would seem without a man having to somehow say, yeah, it's okay, listen, I'm going to back her up with my version of things, and I'm going to support you. Because she talks about herself, and she talks about how she has all of these... Because the song is actually really brilliant. She talks about herself, I'm this, I'm that, my life is this, and then he comes in and tells her what she's going to think and do and feel. He instructs her. So even if it's not a true satire of of how women are Barbie dolls in music, even when they're the star. There's a straight-up line that it's not like... It's it's like, if you want me to, I'll blow you right now. Yeah. And, you know, not literally that. It's slightly more tactically done. It didn't have to be censored. It's like, uh, I'll do whatever you please. I can act like a star. I can beg on my knees. Like, that's... We know what that's about. We are not saying that he wants her to show that she could have a really great uh, part in Les Mis. Yeah. We, she, he uh, is much more, yeah, you know? Oh, yeah, and he plays that, come on, Barbie, let's go. Yeah, it, he, It's lascivious. It is. He's definitely not a Ken, though he's called the Ken. Right. Ken would be uh, douchier, but not seedier. Ken would talk like this. Exactly. Not like, like this. Like Max Headroom, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think in a lot of ways, Barbie Girl by Aqua, sorry, is not... It's not the piece of garbage that it is. No, it's it's worth revisiting. I think video form especially. I think the like video. It's actually yeah. it's good parody. It again, don't mistake it for satire. It's not trying to say anything really. Uh, 
I hate the phrase, it is what it is, but this is a great example of something that is what it is. It is what it is. It's a pop song. You can read into it. You don't have to read into it. There's something there. There isn't something there. But at the end of the day, it is ah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like you know the song, um, but you probably don't. It's probably better than you remember. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next song is a weird entry to the now. Like, how did this get here? Karma I'm, Police by Radiohead. On. If I could only... I wish there was some way for me to excuse myself from this one song and come back in a few minutes. I'm going to put it out there. I don't particularly like Radiohead. I think they're okay. Yeah, I've never gotten the, the Pitchfork Media 10.0 every album. Uh, here's a thousand pretentious words on this band. However, I dig everything Bjork's ever done. So you can't go by me. I'm crazy. I really like the song, though I'm probably like um, basic as fuck because I think this is one of the best radio so- head songs ever. Um, yeah, I don't like this. I think Kay I is like great. Creep. Like, obviously. Uh, yeah. Like, duh, it's a good album. We all know that. Amnesiac is fine. Yeah, like, okay, but like. Pablo Honey is fine. And re- they didn't reinvent the wheel. No, and for the record... Ahead of their time, sure, a little bit. For real, ahead of their time, sure. It's sort of the way I feel about Muse. You guys are great. I just don't think you're the greatest band in the world. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think Radiohead coming before that gives them a little bit more of claim to that. Well, but I mean, like, the talking heads. Like, I mean, there have been people who are vastly ahead of their time making brilliant competitive music... For, for decades, I'll I just... just say, I wasn't jizzing myself over this new album that they just put out. I thought it was good. I forgot they did one. Like, Radiohead is a good band to me. They're not uh, transcendent, like no. a lot of people love to believe they are. Um, that said, I think Car Police is really good. I don't know what it's doing on here in uh, between Barbie Girl and I Will Buy You a New Life. Like, I think what? it's I think it's... Because, you know, one of the things that... Uh, what what really... They're sh- British. Is this another, like, our label from the across the Atlantic thing? I, I don't know. I think this might have just been another case of, like, Brian McKnight getting something out there, circulating something in. Of all the Radiohead singles, I would put this in the I can listen to it pile with Creep. I think they're at their best when they're stripped down. I okay. think he can write a really great, powerful song. Absolutely. Um, I think they've, they're kind of sniffing their own farts a little bit. I think they've gotten into the mystique of Radiohead that... that people have built up for them like i think they're a fine band and if you're the kind of person that loves them good like they're a good band to be in love with yeah as we'll see later there's a lot to dissect about radiohead and they're great musicians but the, uh, they're just they're not i need a good hook in a song I'm, I'm i'm real basic motherfucker i need a good hook and to be able to relate to it and i don't want to have to puzzle out your lyrics and I, you don't have anything I can really sing to, and that's a problem for me. Yeah. Um, I'm about but to say that's that said, Carm Please is great. Today, great. Yes, I know. I'm aware that it's all really, really, really good. It's just it's not something I'm personally ever going to put on. Yeah, it's not my jam. Yeah. You know, I, I really dig Tori Amos, who is the queen of unintelligible lyrics and shrieking for no reason and moaning against the piano bench and then just kind of punching some random keys. I, I, I mean, nothing that she has ever done in her entire career has been random, but. I I think uh, this is, it's kind of a maudlin song, and it just yeah. sort of comes in kind of whiny. Karma police. Like, it just... It, Why, you sang that like you were doing an impression of Amanda Palmer. <laughs> okay. Who I'm sure has covered Radiohead a bunch. You know, I'm a big Neil Gaiman fan from way back. Um, oh, I know. I'm a... 
Tori Amos and Neil Gaiman. There's another connection. Yeah. Super good friends. Drink. Drink, right? I, uh, yeah, no, I think the less I say about this, the less trouble I get myself in on the internet. Yeah, it's I think, a good song. Like, none of us are arguing that. It's just, it's, A, what is it doing here? B, there's not that much to say. Because it's just, it's a good song. And it's just another Radiohead song. Yeah. They're one of those things where once you start, like, you know, once you, it's like, it's like episodes of Buffy. There's just so many that are up here for me. I just, I, I imagine that's how people feel about Radiohead. Yeah. Every Radiohead song is just up here for them, so it's, like, hard to talk about Radiohead. Yeah, like, when people make fun of those, I get why people like Radiohead, but I also get why people make fun of those, like, really pretentious, and that's a word that I hate, but, like, this is a great example of it. Those pretentious, like, Pitchfork 10.0 perfect album reviews, like, no. Yeah. No, I'm not on board with that either. You know, I, I, no, no ill will toward Radiohead, you know, Tom York, or is it Thom? I think it's Tom. Okay. No offense, Tom York. Sorry, I don't know how to say your name. Uh, I think I think you did a great job on uh, Selma songs with Bjork. Really good work there. Uh, I know you can you can write a hell of a song, mm-hmm. um, and your your work has been used really brilliantly and really extensively. Congratulations. You are much more successful than I imagine I am going to be. But I don't I don't really care to keep talking about you. Yeah. That's it. I downloaded in Rainbows when it was for free, and I listened to it a couple times, and then I, you know, I deleted it eventually. I deleted it from like, my library. It was, it was good. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, at least it wasn't as intrusive as like a free U2 album. Stay tuned for next episode when we talk about those guys. Um, um, I'm going to get myself in trouble with a lot of people who I really... You're fortunately free of that. U2 shows up episode two. Thank God. We're not sure exactly how the format of this is going to go, but... I am not the biggest U2 fan. Yeah, same. Um, speaking of not the biggest fan of uh, Everclear, I will buy you a new life. Uh, has there ever been an artist that wore his childhood dysfunctions on his sleeve more than Art Alexis? Abandonment issues is like the crux of his music. Like they need to be bagged and bored and put alphabetically. Oh, yeah. It's really rough. Um, I think this is another inclusion that was to keep the MTV Rocks crowd. Everclear was real big for a while. You know, they had a series of like three or four singles that all charted high. But I feel like it was over more years than this period. I feel like this is front-loading it almost because there's only four songs. <laughs> oh, no. You know what? I love one Everclear song more than any other. Uh, Santa Monica. I don't know that one. I know that Father of Mine is going to come up, and that's kind of been the Everclear punchline forever. Father of Mine is like, I for some reason, even though I think it was special by Garbage that was in that movie, I always put Father of Mine in Big Daddy. And oh, I just kind of go, that's God. that's one big eye roll for me. I, yeah. His pain is really real, and I, I don't question his pain, but his pain was never my pain. You know, Art Alexis kind of looks like Perry Farrell. And He's like a bleach blonde, cleaner version of Perry Farrell without the heroin. Yeah, and it's that very, I'm, I'm, I'm navigating the rock sphere and like... Well, I bet they're touring on one of those Summerfest jam tours. Oh, that's so, I thought gonna they were going to be at a balloon Asbury. festival. Yeah, with I... Sugar Ray and Tonic. <laughs> <laughs> the song is really average, and it's really... Yeah. It's on here because you do good-natured things like give your friend Art a place on the compilation album because he had a tough time with his daddy. There's a really grody, like, nice guy, fedora-tipping, <laughs> milady undercurrent to the song where it's like, he talks, there's a whole verse where he talks about, like, you know, remember that guy and that other guy? I'll buy you a new life. Like, he, he talks about, like, we'll wipe out all your shit. Tabula rasa for you. you. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something gross about that. Um, the whole video, um, he's doing a lot of face acting in this video. I was gonna video. say, it's like, it's got like a really face, like... Well, it's because the whole video is supposed to be him at a woman's door who is looking at her people deciding whether or not to let him in. 
obviously the answer is no. There's never been, a, well, not in the video, but there's never been a good conversation that's taken place through a locked door. Yeah, I just think it, uh, I think it's one of those songs that's like, uh, it's like Christmas shoes. Oh, yeah. I think very few songs are like Christmas shoes. I think he thought it was a lovely message, but ultimately it's a little bit, I'm going to steal you from everyone you've ever known. Yeah, it's gross. It's a little gross. That's the most anyone's ever spoken on a podcast about Everclear. Well, this this is going to be the Everclear podcast then, because we've got a we've got a few of his coming up. The next song is like the car commercial anthem. Okay, I have uh, I have to defend this, Lenny Kravitz. I mean, the guy he's he's one of those people who I think is more famous for being famous than is particularly still involved with new creations going into music. Yeah, I mean. I don't know where he came from, and I don't know where he's gone, but there was a period of time, and now has a bunch of Lenny Kravitz songs that I didn't know existed. Oh, and there's so many. I mean, he, he, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he started with, Are You Gonna Go My Way? I think so. This, Let Love Rule. Um, this and his cover of American Woman. I think there, really, there was a very brief time when America loved Lenny Kravitz. Before the scarves got too big. And... <laughs> You know, and now his daughter is, his daughter's awesome. I love her. Zoe? Yeah. Where have I seen her? She was um, Angel Salvatore in X-Men First Class, the chick with the wings. Okay. And um, I can't think of the other movie she was in that I've seen. I don't see a lot of movies. I'm the worst about movies, but... Um, you only see Spice World when you're like, you know... 12. I see Spice World and I see every Marvel Comics movie because I'm a giant nerd. Um, but no, and, yeah, Zoe Kravitz is a thing. I just, I can't place her. And uh, she's really good friends with... Uh, Je- uh, Jennifer Lawrence and anybody who's friends with Jennifer Lawrence in my book gets a stamp of approval because I feel like Jennifer Lawrence is a really good arbiter of what makes a good person because I don't think she has the patient the patience for bullshit. She does seem like someone who's very bullshit free, yeah. So I, I kind of think if somebody if Jennifer Lawrence likes someone, they're a good person and you could probably trust them to take your photo with their camera <laughs> and with your camera and not run off with your camera. Yeah. I feel like if that's 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 the Jennifer Lawrence stamp of approval, trustworthiness. Um, this song is just sex, drugs, and rock and roll, like down to its core. Um, even the video yeah. is just about fucking. It's just kind of um, hedonistic. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's dad rock in a lot of ways. I really enjoyed. There was an Entertainment Week, and I have to I have to be real. There was an Entertainment Weekly article from like two thousand and one, maybe maybe two thousand two, and it was a really funny thing, and it was like um. Lenny Kravitz, whose songs either sound just like American Woman, see Fly mm-hmm. Away, or are American Woman, <laughs> see his cover of American Woman. That's pretty good. Um, I think he's an unbelievably talented dude. I yeah, think the guy is. can play guitar like, like I mean, the guy can literally play oh, guitar shit. like. He I can, can act too. Yeah, Hunger Games. Yeah, he was terrific. I forgot he was in those. And he was he's terrific. I've only seen the first one and I don't like it, but him and Elizabeth Banks and Woody Harrelson make that movie. They do. Well, and Jennifer Lawrence. And, and, well, and I think she's at her weakest in that movie, actually. I agree. Not to turn this into a movie podcast, but I don't think she's ever been better than Winter's Bone. Well, no, yeah, okay. That's, for goddamn, that's, 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 the, that's a tour de force performance. That is a real tour de France. Um, <laughs> tour de Kentucky, actually. <laughs> I, I love Lenny Kravitz's uh, style. I love everything about his atmosphere. He dated Nicole Kidman for a while. And um, as my husband describes it, Nicole Kidman lacks pigment. She's like human milk. I feel like that was the best example of a fuck you dad rebound after Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, he dated he dated Nicole Kidman, and he's... He was married to Lisa Bonet! That's the coolest thing ever! That is ever. a cool, sexy couple. That is 
actually too cool for school. Is there anything else to say about Fly Away? Yes, there is. There's a ton to say about Fly Away. It, really? Yeah. So this album is one of those examples of an album that in the 90s got traction over time. This was a huge problem in the 90s where albums took longer to boil than made sense. So frequently they would get re-released with one bonus track. Ugh. And then you'd have to go out and buy it. And sometimes what would happen is there, uh, CD stores... The big mirror disc thing <laughs> that has music used to come in shops. And um, CD stores would have so many of the first version. Before Best Buy only carried, like, laptops and vacuums. And the, have, and the latest Call of Duty. Yeah, they, they used to have a whole section for these... Um, little like blu-rays that had music on them we we use we mostly use them now as coasters i like that we've got this idea that only like 17 year old millennials are listening to this podcast and, and people are like what the not fuck is listening this? to this no, no one is listening to this everyone else is hitting 30 seconds it's, ahead on their it's podcast your dad and my dad That's yeah, it. exactly um so we're explaining it for them um yeah. well so the point of the story is it got re-released with uh, a bonus track or two but if you bought the album already, you wouldn't have them. So then you had to go out and buy it again because there was no such thing as digital singles. And all they would do... God, was, remember spending 20 bucks on a fucking 12 songs? Uh, remember when they would then... Okay, so I'm really into Robin, Robin Konnichiwa. Everybody should be really into Robin. If you know what is good for you, you're really into Robin. Robin had an album, her debut in America, Robin is here, and it was re-released. He's absolutely, he's absolutely right about Robin. If you don't at least love that the album with Call Your Girlfriend. You're you're an idiot. Ro yeah, Robin Self Titled and Body Talk are two of the yeah. most like incredible pieces of international pop music. Get the fuck ever. on our level. Seriously, I mean she is she's a mastermind and uh once again, Ellie Goulding, legit, has a great cover of Be Mine by Robin. Um but so Robin Robin is here. She re released it with a bonus track, and if you didn't buy it at first, you were screwed out of the bonus track. And the albums had different color covers. Same thing with Third Eye Blind's first album. It was re-released with a bonus track. Well, bonus tracks, we just talked about how much we loved uh, <laughs> We love Carly Rae Jepsen. There's two tracks that are only available on the Japanese album. Fortunately, we live in a world where we can go on YouTube and just find them. Yep, and, you know, not like trying to blow up anybody's spot, but listen to YouTube.com or whatever the hell it's <laughs> called. You know, helps out a lot. You can check out our Now playlists on there. Yeah. Uh, also, just listen to Carly Rae Jepsen's album. If you guys it's so good. It is a definitive piece of, it, you know, so every now and then an album comes Let's along. Let's not talk about Fly Away. Some more to talk about how good Carly Rae Jepsen's For real, album actually. Because uh, we're done with Fly Away. We, we really are. Um, so every now and then an album comes along and it, and it makes you go, wow, that's that's the next step of pop music. That's so that's what's coming good. next. I can't even. But instead, Carly Rae Jepsen said, I want to make a statement on every piece of pop music I've ever loved in the course of my life. And... There are, there are, it's all uniquely her, but there are shades of like True by Spandau Ballet. Yeah. And there are shades of La La Bonita by Madonna. And there are shades of every cool fucking pop song you can think of in the course and history of your life. I could hear LA Hallucinations being by Lady Gaga. Oh, yeah. I can hear, I mean, some of them are just intended for other artists. Um, but like, maybe have tracks like Warm Blood that don't feel like any of them. Anything. Like, I didn't just come here to dance, I think is a timeless example. And then you've of got like Boy Problems, which is just like a <gasps> Tiffany song. Oh, it's a perfect Tiffany song. Um, oh, God, why can't I think of it? Um, Let's Get Lost. Yeah, that's it's, my favorite song on the album. I mean, that's like, that is 1989. Yeah, it's, ugh. If you if you like Taylor when Swift, you're choosing you between Tiffany and uh, Debbie Gibson, just take Carly Rae Jepsen's new album. Just take Carly Rae Jepsen, no matter what. I really think emotion is 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 you know I read a really funny, again if, uh, you know I read a really funny article about how essentially Carly Rae Jepsen, no one really understood the second album in America. I mean it was like you know her third or fourth album, but no one really understood. Uh, the, uh, Kiss. 
I mean, this one. This is the third one, yeah. But everybody kind of considers it the second one, because... Right, because no one remembers that weird acoustic album she did after she placed, like, third on, on Canadian, Canadian Idol. Idol. Yeah. She, um... She just... I, this article basically said that just gay people love her. Uh, gay people and uh, young girls are all that love her, essentially. That and is kind of the entirety of what was at that show. It really is. I, I danced my ass off at that you show. Fucking, I, I was so hammered. every word. I got super drunk and danced my ass off in front of, like, mostly, like, children who but, were there with very confused parents who remembered Call Me Maybe. Yeah, uh, all of the... It, we saw her out on Long Island, so, you know, we were, we were walking into something in the first place, but... Um, yeah, yeah, for real. If there was a now, I wish that like I wish I could pick what was on now, whatever the hell number they're on this moment, and it would just be "Emotion" by Carly it's Rae Jepsen. Ludicrous that only I really like you was a single. Yeah, someone fucked up so, and everyone knows this by this point. But I hope by now she's fired her management because it's 100%. offensive to me, who has never been in the music industry. Why was every why was 1989 so big and "Emotion" not? When emotion is, in my opinion, a more significant contribution to the state of pop music. Absolutely. I think emotion has a lot to say about the dexterity of this songwriter, about the ability of a single woman to put herself in dozens of ideas and modes. I mean, you go from making the most of the night to <laughs> let's get lost over one track, and it's like, what? This, what? How? These songs are so different and so good and so pop and so 80s, and you can do the 80s sound the 80s feel is very different it's than the 80s sound. And Retrowave is not the same as what this album is doing. And this album captures what it feels like. Just start with Run Away With Me. And if you, if you aren't hooked from that instant sax, God, that sax guitar riff. riff. so good. <laughs> uh, I just want to dance to it now. If you're taking one thing from this podcast about music from 1998... <laughs> It should be that you should go out and buy Emotion by Carly Rae Jepsen. It's probably the best pop album in the last 15 years. I would not even hesitate to agree. Yeah, it's so good. It is, it um, is startlingly good. Anyway, Lenny Kravitz's Fly Away is a song that exists. Um, <laughs> Sex and Candy by Marcy Playground is also a song that exists. Sex and Candy by it's Marcy. the closing track on Now Volume 1, uh, which is a weird decision. Um, so, okay. Okay. I don't like the song. I didn't like the song then when I had bad opinions as a child. <coughs> uh, but I don't think that bad opinion. I think it's a good opinion that I still think the song is shit. Evidently, the guy was doing it with his his, oh, his girl. Wait, let's take that to Wikipedia. Because I, I can I can I can I tell you what I believe the story is, and you can correct me. Yes. He was doing it with his, his girlfriend, and her roommate walked in, yes. and she said, I smell sex and candy. Well, I've got a little bit more detail here. Oh, shit. It I makes him learning. sound even douchier. Oh, God. Um, this, where did I get the sex and candy part from? Well, I was dating a girl, and she was going to Bryn Mawr College, and it's where my dad teaches. Is that actually how you pronounce that? I don't know. And I was probably 17 or something like that, and she was like 18. I always liked the older girls, but we were in her dorm room. And her roommate came in, and she saw us there, and she was like, oh, it smells like sex and candy in here. And I always remembered that, and that was back in the late 80s. Yeah, shit, that didn't happen. Yeah, so here's what happened. I wrote this song because I heard a really cool phrase. By the way, I just want to make it clear. I lost my virginity yeah. at least by 17. I was dating this girl. No, she doesn't go to this high school. Like, she's she totally goes, older, and she's totally in college. I don't want to, like, make it a big deal, but she actually goes to the Sorbonne. So, <laughs> like... 
this is even a bad humble brag because if I can oh be my real, God, yeah. If you're if you're 17 and you're doing it with your 18 year old girlfriend at her college, because you're 17, man, you're you that are means you're dating the, the weird bus, girl in college, right? And her roommate walks in, and you're not so distracted going. I'm an 18 year old. Then you are doing something <laughs> wrong. I'm sorry. It's a bad song. It is. Okay. So if you don't know the song, it starts kind of like, okay, I have a problem with, uh, I didn't mention one of my problems with uh, Everclear is that I don't like that. He speaks the lyrics pretty much the entire time. And this guy's kind of like, yeah, that's a good hanging point. Around this is even worse, yeah. Downtown by myself, and I've had Fastball so and Harvey much Danger at least time. had the courtesy to sing their lyrics. At least had courtesy to sing their nonsense. Radiohead, that's one thing you gotta give. Tom York. Ah, oh, yeah. Blows his voice out. It, it, it's gotta be. Cause, I mean, oh, that, that bridge of creep? Holy like, shit. From us who are like Radiohead okayists, like that bridge of creep Holy is great. The guy can sing me yeah. under the table any minute of any day. Um, I would like to be clear. If the guy from Marcy Playground tried to anything me under the table, I would run and grab an adult. Um, I really hate this song. It's it's that, like, we were talking about how, like, this was the end of, like, the goodwill that grunge built up. But this is the worst of that, like, we'll still let you on the radio because of grunge kind I went, of sound. I went to a lot of Lilith Fair. Make all of the Lilith Fair jokes you want. This guy was worse. Because, you know, to contextualize the era, there was Lollapalooza. And then there was Lilith Fair, and there was Warped Tour, and somewhere in the middle of all that was Marcy Playground, Sex and Candy. By the way, there was a real Marcy Playground. He was taunted on it as a child. Makes sense. Checks out, and actually was probably for the best. <laughs> I think that's where he was like, those kids pushed me, and that's what, when I'm older, I'm going to tell everyone I did it with an older girl when I was really young. I totally did, guys. I totally, my dad was teaching out of college, and I was totally having sex with all the girls at the college. I, all those liberal arts majors at Bryn Mawr College. So I, 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 I worked in Disney for a while to put this out there, and I worked with a, a gentleman who claimed that, he, he claimed that in his time working with the princesses, um... He, he might have had any any number of relations with any number of princesses. Which, I mean, in a lot of ways sounds like uh, living the dream. Right. But the dream is the, is the underlined, italicized I want word. you to know this guy was the human embodiment of sex and candy. <laughs> this guy was like, no, no, it totally happened. And you know what? You One time he really said to me, and you don't have video to prove it didn't. Sex and candy to me reminds me of like uh, faux ravers when like we were still in like eighth grade, but raving was a thing. So kids would come in wearing like the candy necklaces as if they like, because they didn't realize that I that's. you meant you could see people raving to this song. <laughs> no, God. <laughs> but like they didn't realize that people wore the candy necklaces because like ecstasy, right? <coughs> and you'd, you'd put that in your mouth is because, you know, you get this mouth thing when we're next to Um but they would just wear them because they thought it was like a piece of the culture. Right. So they would just wear candy necklaces as if it was cool. About like two years later, just... I wore a light up jewelry. So everyone knows I wore it everywhere I went. It was magnetic. Well, eighth grade and... dance, people tried, people brought glow sticks because raving was such a thing. Yes. But no one raved. No, you didn't know how to rave. You, you barely understood how to shave. And, <laughs> you, and like, that's, that's kind of, that you know, like this, I don't, I kind of. I maybe need a podcast just to make fun of that quote about Marcy. I mean, I was it's so fucking stupid. I was stunned that anybody asked Zoot Suit Guy in 2009 anything. I am still at this point stunned 
anyone ever asked Mr. Marcy? No one did. That guy just walked up to someone. He walked up to so many people on the street and tried to tell that story. This guy just happened to be a Wikipedia editor. I feel like I have this mental image of this guy now, and he's basically the hag from the beginning of Beauty and the Beast, and he's going up to people, <laughs> and he's just like, tell me I'm pretty or I'll curse you. Want to like, hear a tale about sex and candy? Right? And he's like luring children to their gingerbread No, house. please, just I'll give you a dollar if you get away from me. Absolutely. Sex and candy guy. Guys, if if, if Marcy Playground or, or, or his little playground children ever come up to you, for real, punch him in the face and Marcy, Mr. Marcy Playground probably can't be within 100 feet of a playground. I, You know, I really just think it is something about the uncomfortable... It, there's something very uncomfortable about this song. Yeah, well, this the idea. It's like um, like the smell of sex and candy. The uh, smell of like anyone who's like, oh yeah, it smells like sex. Like Super Troopers use that as a as a gag. That was a throwaway gag. Like the idea of turning a whole song to like, mm, smells like sex. Like fuck you. If creepo. you were writing a ballad about Santorum, we have a problem. <laughs> and to take it a step further. Oh, oh God. What's even worse is this guy is even admitting that the one memorable part of this song isn't his. Yeah, he is admitting right. the one. Well, he is probably song. remembering the, the time that he pretended he was having sex with an older woman. I don't think, I think it, okay. The only thing stupider then stealing the best part of your song from someone else is making up that you stole the best part of your song from someone else to give yourself fake street cred instead of just taking the credit for writing a hit song. So wait, the actual story behind the song is he's like 16 years old, he's jerking off and his mom walks in and he's got like one hand on his dick the other hand on a mouthful of like Twizzlers pulling peels. Oh my god! He's like, "Mom, get out of my room! Don't you ever knock!" I'm at okay. First of all, the headgear was terrific. Uh, I could hear it. Number two, I mean, we're giving this guy a really hard time because you know what? For all we know, he uh, works like for all we know, he's a doctor without borders now. Who no, knows? I, I will bet a lot of money he is not in but, Medicine Sans Frontieres. <laughs> but the truth—he's <laughs> killing me. The truth is. The truth is that Monsieur Marcy over here, um, from this quote and this song, contextualized in 1998, kind of sounds like, um, he, you know, I won't, I don't want to know what he smelled like. No, God. If it smelled like a dorm room, woof. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the end of Now Volume 1, but that's not the end of this podcast. Because we felt like there were a couple songs from this era that... We're omitted. I agree. This segment's called Man on a Missions. I'm a man on a mission. I'm a man on a mission. mission. So some songs from around this time that were peaking on the Billboard charts. We're going to go through a few of them for better or worse. I've selected three of them. First off, we're going to start with Too Close by Next. Okay, now let's, I mean, I understand that this was the most popular song to ever be about a public erection. Yeah, this song is straight up about boaters. I mean, he literally says you're... Step back, you're dancing. There's a female vocalist, and she says, step back, you're dancing kind of close. I feel a little poke coming. You're through. making it hard for me. I mean, he's literally saying that she is, like, grinding. Baby, when we're grinding, I get so excited. Ooh, how I like it. I tried, but I can't fight it's it. It's not subtext. It's it is not. just text. It is thank you for the spank bank. <laughs> and I think, you know, she made a very good donation. And there's going to be, in this song had interest. I, if I'm not mistaken, this song was a number one for, like, three solid weeks this in the United States. This song was huge. This was an... The overtness and the honesty of it. 
I don't think the song played well with our dads the way Fly Away did. I don't think the song played well with our moms. But it didn't play well with them, but they also didn't realize what it was about. So Correct. we can listen to it in the car. Well, because that's why it didn't, it didn't play well with them. So they didn't check out the lyrics. Yes. It, oh, yeah, exactly. I think, I, you know, this song had a really great video. Uh, and I kind of feel like we're exactly the right age for this song because we were going through uncomfortable public erections. We were at having the time. eighth grade dances where grinding was banned. And you know, you were and you wanted some stuff to happen and it was awkward and you know, it was that weird place. Every erection in nineteen ninety eight for us was awkward. Even the ones when we were alone. We would be like, I still don't understand. Oh, and definitely. so uh, you know, it's like that song I hate to use the joke. I feel so bad using the joke. That song was really seminal for me. Oh. <laughs> I like it. I'm no, so that's, sorry. No, that's that's good. But it's it was it was a big deal. It was an actual big deal. And it's and a really good song. It's actually an incredibly well constructed song. It's sung really well. It's performed really well. The harmonies don't feel there. There's a lot of like boy band stuff where like, okay, we're on the third outro chorus. We're gonna sing it again, and then someone's gonna come into the background like holding their ear. And like sing the key line and like a different. I like the way you move. It works. It works in the song. And what's really funny is like on that exact topic, and I, I was really dying to bring it up earlier during the Backstreet Boys, but I kept going too far off topic on the songs themselves, and I kept being like, let's talk about the artist as a whole. Um, so I remember being really young and hearing some Backstreet Boys song, and I, I think it was Howie Duro does the at the end of. Um, he did put his finger in his ear for that. Yeah, and I even moved the you hand. Have to. You like have I'm to. like I'm trying to range the air a little bit. That's a Christina Aguilera special. No, the Christina Aguilera special is the flicking fingers on the microphone that you pull back and forth from your mouth as you move your hand up higher oh, of your ear. She has made more microphones come. Yeah, I just I, I think I remember as a kid being like that who woo woo, whether it was Howie or Nick, fuck you guys. And I remember <laughs> thinking Every every time AJ did anything, specifically in um, I Want It That Way, he's like, no matter the distance, ah! I was always like, stop it. You sound like you're slowly shitting nails. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> you're, you're giving it your all, and I really yeah. appreciate that. But guys, guys, so there's an episode of Newlyweds featuring Jessica Simpson where the record, she's in the studio, and I, you know, whether or not you think she sings like she's constant, well, that's not here nor there, but like, she's in the recording studio, and she's like, she's legitimately, that's a whale. I mean, it was, that was where some, I could have never believed she was capable of that. The label didn't either. They understood she physically did it. And they told her to re-record it simpler because it was too hard to sing along Ew. with. You know, I'm no Jessica, I don't know anything about Jessica Simpson <laughs> other than that at some point she had a reality show. Um, that's, that's gotta hurt for any artist to be like, take it back, you're too good. Yeah. Fuck you. The guys from Next who sadly I don't think had too many singles next after this, um, really captured I think MTV's moment. dating show next had more play on MTV than this did. Sadly, yeah. But God, they, they, they really captured something. They were, I mean, they managed to make a hit song about erections. And, and, I, and it crossed over from people who were old enough to go to clubs and get boners to the young kids who were like, I have secret boners. I don't know what it means. And... I think it kind of made it, worked it e for everyone. It was almost a common ground that made it easier for our age group to talk about boners. I don't think I knew it was about boners until like I, three years after it was out. I'm trying to find a really tasteful way to say this. Brian McKnight played anytime, and then that would play after it. <laughs> oh, I understand why I feel this way now. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Um, okay. 
uh, so for me, too close by next was like, I am normal. Like it was like, okay, I can dance in the middle of a mall. Like, um, and it's it was you know it was a huge hit. I really do think it was like number one for like three weeks. It was. Or something. It was. It was a uh, three or four. This and the next song were had a, a large stake on the Billboard like number ones claim. Um, this video, you know, it's 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 a '90s video. It it exists. Um, like I could listen to the song forever. Um, it's really good. Um, I would karaoke it in a place where only I like a room with like my closest Private friends. Private karaoke where we were all hammered. Yeah, uh, it's a really good song. Um, in the video, the video plays off that trope like pulling someone into a bathroom stall. Like, you just see the hand come out and pull them in, and the door just... I'm, I've always seen that, the, the bathroom stall hookup in, like, movies and TV, and... and uh, Am I the only one who thinks that's really gross? You're clearly not gay. You've done the bathroom stall hookup? I'm saying nothing about me, but I am saying that there is an enormous amount of... of, of, of uh, okay, so, the Macy's bags. So, um, so... I'm going to... Okay, everybody, get in your fucking... Get in your fucking gay-ass... Volkswagen Beetle, because we're about to take a trip to, to seriously, Fagatropolis. Cis white men, get on the fucking couch. We're about to gay this shit to pieces. If you are heterosexual and wish to remain heterosexual, grab your football. So, un- before Tinder, you know, straight people found a way to date, right? Well, before Grindr, gay people found a way to date, also very loosely. Um, and to to facilitate public facilitation in facilities you would get a big ass motherfucking Macy's bag and you would plant it in the front of your stall. You would wait in your stall. Someone would open the door quickly. Is this like that senator putting his foot under the bathroom stall and like tapping? Yeah. You would then open the door, you would step into the bag and then you would fuck with one of you in the bag and one of you outside of the bag so there was only ever one set of feet. Um, this also played into gay hanky code, which was different colored handkerchiefs meant different sexual interests. Straight people know that from the Pacino movie. Oh, that was in a, that was in a movie. Yeah, um, cruising. Give us back our culture. So I, <laughs> I don't. He care. plays an undercover cop who has to go into that culture. <laughs> oh, so that's that, fascinating. That was our like one uh, our one. This was before he was like ah Pacino. Oh, so that's ba- oh, so that's like people were like, good for you. You like you know a gay. Um, well, but it also, like, made gay culture seem, like, weird and, like, creepy and murderous. It didn't do much for it. Reality is that I understand that my, my, this gentleman was, was best man at my wedding. Uh, I understand that my, my good buddy here is like, bathroom sex is kind of gross, but I'm like, that's where gay babies come from. So I, I understand what you're saying, but, you know, that's, you know, straight people have missionary, and in Fagatropolis, there are bathrooms. So... Well, consider me fucking corrected. On the other hand, this... This is... This, this video was very straight. Yeah. It was very straight. Well, because it played out like a fantasy. Yeah. Guy I guess that is a fantasy room. for straight men is like, uh... Not... Not me. I'm not... A, I'm barely straight, man. Um, you're like, heterosexual, but I don't think you're straight. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Too Close. Great song. The great Boy song. Is Mine by Brandy and Monica. It's the best song. Sorry. I got really excited. I, I actually was disappointed. This song actually was not as good as I remembered. Well, I want to... Please tell me how I'm wrong. Because I, I see it on your face. I want to be real with you for two seconds. Um... I, as an adult man looking back who is very aware of, of women's issues and stuff, there is some very 
pitting women against women for no good reason to this song. The video does end with them teaming up and slamming the door on Mackay Pfeiffer. Which makes it so much better. Agreed. But if the visualization is needed to contextualize the song, like... I'm yes, a, you're right. It shouldn't. I'm, no, absolutely. I'm a blow your minds. I am... I am... I'm a monster. Because I used to really dig Jennifer Love Hewitt's music. And she had a song called Let's Go Bang. And in it, she would say things like, unspoken words, you know just what to do. The rhythm moves like second nature to you. So primitive, it fits you like a glove. Um, I want to bang. Let's go bang. I want to bang. Wow, that is that is straightforward. Uh, the reality is the bang was a dance they'd created for her, thinking she was going to be the next Debbie Gibson. And then they cut her funding, and there was never a video. Bang. So then with no context, that song was just about fucking... To get, to get back a little bit... I understand that, you know, visualization sometimes does help the interpretation. Right. Um, but with The Boy Is Mine, I think, at this point in her career, though, she's a very moderate vocalist. She's, she's, not, she's not yet, if I, don't, I don't believe she's Moesha yet. Uh, no. Oh, it, Maybe, maybe, maybe ooh. by two years. And I, I really think that The Boy Is Mine is an example of a brilliantly produced track. Um, and then the problem that does happen sometimes when you're listening is Monica can sing eagles out of the sky <laughs> monica has this breadth to her voice she i feel like you can hear her holding back on the i agree with that mind absolutely because she can't outshine brandy she definitely hard. got the shitty end of that stick she really did i mean the truth is there's a lot of rumors that she was a huge diva Okay. And that she was unpleasant, whereas Brandy was very pleasant. I don't know. I didn't know them both. I didn't meet them like I did Mandy Moore Love You. Um, so I, I did. Brandy is secretly to, to blame for Kardashians, so she loses points. That's really interesting. I knew that one of the Kardashians was uh, Paris Hilton's assistant. Well, no, Kim, uh, Kim got famous because she was fucking Ray J in a video. I forgot that it was Kim and Ray J, because in my oh, head, yeah. Ray J was with Whitney Houston when Whitney Houston died. Funny story, about two weeks after Whitney Houston died, I was driving through New York, and I passed W. Houston Street, and I, I was like, I thought she was from Newark. And Kevin goes, it's West Houston, you moron. <laughs> and I was like, I deserve that, because I've literally, I mock, I literally chase people out of New York with a stick for that, and like... <laughs> But she was, like, a week dead, so I was like, oh, man. Like, you know, I, I was playing, like, how will I know in my head a lot, you know what I mean? I was the greatest love of all in it, so, like, I was, I was... I um, the verses in Brandy and Monica's The Boy Is Mine are really bad. The chorus, this song entirely depends on the video, the chorus, and that uh, not yours but mine back and forth outro. Disagree. 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 He's waving his finger at me. I am literally waving my finger at him. Okay, because we're going to start with this. Everything about the performance of the song, I think some of Brandy's work in this is, um, like, like Janet Jackson used to get really mixed down into her vocals. It was really hard to pick her out of her early music sometimes. I think Brandy gets mixed down really well here. And, you know, she, I actually think the lyrics are kind of cool in that way. I think it's time we get this straight, sit and talk face to face. I, I actually think... And then, the, you know, you were talking about <laughs> unintelligible lyrics. There's so much crammed into a short amount of time that there, nothing comes through in, the, in those verses. I'm thinking about that. And see, one of the things I think about is I actually think about how, um, how clear it comes off. Isn't it? When will you get the picture? Uh, that is You're a... the past, I'm the future. Okay, so think like, about like the first two verses though, because there's like five it's verses. Time we get this straight, sitting top face. Oh, I can do the whole thing. I, 
I bet you do them in alternating voices. I do do them in alternating voices. I also do The Girl Is Mine by Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney in alternating voices. Well, this that's this is the unofficial sequel to that. I mean, it, this is the unofficial sequel to that in every way. This is birdemic to the room. This is, these things belong together. Um, it, it's the, um, you know, Girl Is Mine was Aliens, and this was Prometheus. <gasps> oh, now you're touching me where it, where it feels good. Um, I actually think that The Boy Is Mine... Has has one other thing really smart going for it. It introduced it introduced strings as a musical element to set the mood for our generation. Was Bittersweet Symphony before this? Bittersweet Symphony was a rock song. Oh, okay, well, yes. I feel like this was pop. Okay, and it set an atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And then, can I think about a lot of Monica's later music? No one thinks about a lot of Monica's later <gasps> music. Oh my God. The album with the boy is mine with the first night and shit and her cover of right here waiting for you. Oh my God. She has a cover of that. And it's, I'm actually interested in hearing that. It's like better than the original. I'm, I don't like the original. Um, I, I think it's a good song. I Something interesting is that this song gets broken up on the billboard top 100 as by being by Brandy and Monica and by being Brandy with Monica. Which means it most likely sold as a duo single and then as a Correct. Brandy album. It was duo single, Brandy album, Monica album in that order. Interesting. Um, because Brandy was the bigger deal. By that well, point, course. Monica had I only think had... she was Moesha by now. Yeah. And by that point, Monica was only Miss Thang. That was her, her debut okay. album. and She, she never was really able to mainstream-wise follow up from this. She, I mean... I think she was she, always the also ran you, in the I boy will. is mine. She was the Ted Cruz to the to for you I will from Space Jam. Okay, that for was her. You, I oh, I know the song. That was her. Whoa, oh, 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 yeah. I mean, that song also got really over overridden by R. Kelly and uh, Come On and Slam. Welcome to the Jam. If I can um, also, if I'm not mistaken, not that R. Kelly sang that. I know the difference between R. Kelly's song and that song. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't this the same year that R. Kelly did "I'm Your Angel" with Celine Dion? The year of this now. I think it was like the end of the year. I don't know, but R. Kelly will pop up a lot. And I Kelly, I don't give a shit about what he has done in his life. The man is a monster of a songwriter who understands everything that builds. Well, a here's song. the thing: as my as my main co-host on this podcast is, um, I've decided that we're not ever going to cover a Chris Brown song when we get to like now thirty. That is fascinating, and I appreciate it. Um, but at the same time, I'm struggling with the idea that we're going to probably cover the R. Kelly songs. Okay, so I'm a big Aaliyah fan. There's something that feels better about R. Kelly, but I don't know if that should be correct. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I'm a big Aaliyah fan, and he definitely married her when she was like 15. Yeah. And then, I mean, I mean, Dave Chappelle, I want to piss on you. It's hard to like, it's hard to let that go, but the guy can write a killer song. I mean, he... Ignition is one of the greatest American songs ever written. I actually love um, Be Careful that he did. I forget the... The, the, art, the artist he did it with, I can't think of her first name, but, like, the man can write a story song. The man... The man wrote 30 volumes of a story song. I actually really love all of <laughs> Trapped in the Closet. I actually don't think it ever gets bad. I think it just gets better. Um, I think I've only heard 10. Oh, I, I think it's, like, an hour and a half at this point. And I'm definitely... I think it's, like... I think it's a Lord of the Rings movie at this point. <laughs> I actually... Now I need... Extended I need the, edition. I need the midquels. I need, like, trapped on my way to the bathroom and, like, stuff. And, uh, pull out his Beretta. I can't believe it's a man. Like, it's, I actually really love Trapped in the Club. The guy can really write. The guy is a monster songwriter. Anyway, back to The Boy is Mine. He's basically our Shakespeare. You know, 
I don't see nothing wrong with a little bump and grind. So neither did Shakespeare. Neither did Shakespeare. And I yeah, you know, Ignition the remix to Ignition. Well, that came first. Yeah. He wrote the, the line, this is the remix to Ignition, and then realized, I guess I have to go write Ignition. And it was a piece of shit that never really got released. But the remix to Ignition is incredible. But I would like to point out, for every I Believe I Can Fly, I Am Your Angel, uh, remix to Ignition, for every one of those, there is a feeling on your booty. Ooh, yeah. Which ends with him going, boo-hoo-ti. I even like the song he did with Gaga, uh, Do What You Want. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. And I, I love his work with Mariah Carey on Bet You Gonna Know. I think that shit is incredible to harken back to Memoirs of an Imperfect Angel for a minute. I think the guy, I, I, I think the guy is a great songwriter, but I understand your hesitation. Uh, back to the boys. But that's the thing. We, we are going to cover R. Kelly. <laughs> we should. He, he's really and a significant. People are going to tweet at us, hashtag problematic. Yeah. The fact that we don't cover Chris Brown, because fuck that guy. Yeah. I think there's just something, I, I, I don't know what it is. I guess maybe those pictures that I've seen of, of Rihanna's face versus, like... And I think I, it's I real to it us. I just don't I, know what it is. I think that, it's real to us because... It's also that Chris Brown consistently proves himself to be a massive piece of shit, whereas R. Kelly seems to... He hasn't been in the news for 15 years, so... Aaliyah got out and got... You know, hey, guys, if you have not listened to Aaliyah's One in a Million as an album, you need to go back and listen to some of the most important work Missy Elliott and Timbaland have ever done I, I swear to God, there's barely a bad Aaliyah song, period. Yeah, I feel like people only remember uh, Try Again will come up uh, in a couple episodes. And that's really great. I feel like most people just know Are You That Somebody, but there's a lot of good Aaliyah stuff. I mean, for real. If you, I mean, you can even start with AJ Nothing But A Number, but I'm, I'm, uh, it's not my favorite. But she's really... Anyway, R. Kelly basically discovered her, and I, I kind of give him a little bit of... I mean, you know, not a great situation for her. She had to have her marriage annulled at 16 or 17, but... And I mean, he kind of flaunted about dating a 15-year-old yeah. when he was like 29. We're basically just accepting the fact that we are also hashtag problematic and accepting R. Kelly, but not accepting Chris Brown. I don't accept R. Kelly. I accept the caliber of his songwriting. It's easier to separate the man from the music with R. Kelly than it is from Chris Brown. Because we grew up with R. Kelly and we have positive emotional memories with him. But all And we that's un- what this podcast is about, kind of, in a lot of ways. Yeah, and all we started with with Chris Brown was Run It, where he... he, he Forever. He goddamn proved that he had one of the coolest voices I'd ever heard. I mean, the guy can sing. He can sing. But I don't know how much of his own music he writes. I don't believe he has done as much to inspire positivity in the world the way oh, R. Kelly has not. with I Believe I Can Fly. Because, you know, my parents don't know that R. Kelly pisses on people. They just know that he believes he can fly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, boy is mine. We're split on it. It's, I, I don't I, think it holds up that well. I, I just want to be clear. Monica, if you are listening, <laughs> I would do a duet. It would do a bisexual take on the boy is mine with you, Brandy. I would rather do a really cool cover of Full Moon together. I think you sang that like it was meant for you. So, guys, I'm just putting it out there. Well, as we've established, every pop star is listening to this. Every pop star. Mandy Moore is, like, calling Brandy right now, and she's like, oh, my God, this this is so good. Don't tell the Backstreet Boys, though. They'll be really offended. And then you probably got Brandy being like, definitely tell Marcy Playground. You know what oh, I mean? you gotta tell Marcy from Marcy Playground. I'm so glad They that. talked so much shit about Marcy. He's gonna want to write a, like, he's gonna want to do an AMA on Reddit, and he's gonna want to answer everything about he's it. He's gonna set the story straight about his time as a 17-year-old stomping around Bryn Mawr College. Again, if you're not screaming about how excited you are, you're doing it wrong. Uh, but the next song, I think... Yeah, I, I said before Umbop was 45 seconds done five times. 
This song is probably the best example of that in history, and it's Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. The thing is, this song in its individual parts is good, but as a whole, I kind of hate it. Um, so this is the most commercial song of this band's entire career. Oh, well, they're like anarcho-punks or yeah. something and like that. The, like, they evidently fought about it and stuff because they hated how much fame it brought them. Mm -hmm. um, I I think, putting it in terms of that they're anarcho-punks, I think that's a great way to, to contextualize what I'm about to say uh, it, from, from, the, from the get. I think this song is responsible for half of pop music having gang vocals. I think this is the song that made it okay for songs to be like, I'm grabbing wine and I'm drinking, having lots of fun, I'm thinking, over and over. Like, this, I really love a guy who writes comics named Garth Ennis, and Garth Ennis writes a lot of slice-of-life comics, and Garth Ennis understands how to portray a working-class man in Belfast, and he understands, because, I mean, he, he's, 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 a, he's, he's an Irish writer, and he's a, he's a, he's a fucking genius. He's a fucking genius. I mean, every now and then, I mean, he created Preacher, for those of you who just started watching that. Oh, there's um, a bunch of people listening to this that have just gotten on that show. And um, he uh, he did the most famously important run of John Constantine Hellblazer. Mm. The shit you know about Hellblazer, you know because of Garth Ennis. I, I, he is responsible for almost all of the Punisher you know and love. Every now and then, he pushes a really fat, mentally disabled person out of a helicopter and has them squish someone to death. Jesus. So every now and then, he does remind you that he's Garth Ennis. But the point of the story is Garth Ennis knows how to take a slice-of-life moment and make it the single most fascinating, beautiful experience of your life. And every step aches with the pain of this working-class existence mm -hmm. and wanting more and aspiring. And I kind of feel like the guys in Chumbawamba said... That would make a great song. For me, like, it's more of a fun song, quote-unquote. Like, I think our generation... No, I'm not going to say our generation. I feel like the lasting legacy of it is as a drinking song where everyone holds their beers up together and goes, I get knocked down. It is, but I think it is a yeah. song about the working-class plight. Yeah, totally. 100%. Um, but that doesn't come through. Well, uh, I actually think Society it has think not it let it come through. It comes through in the song, but time has not let it come through. Oh, Danny boy. Don't cry right. for me next door neighbor. Yeah. I actually think they do a good job. You know that line, don't cry for me next door neighbor. It took me until yesterday to know what she says after don't cry for me. Next door neighbor. I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, I... I That's been one of the long lost what the fuck lyrics for my life. I literally didn't remember that this was something that was going to be covered because it's not on the Now album. It is in a mission, yeah. But notice how I immediately brought up working class Irish people as soon as we started talking about this song. Because it is. It is 100% exactly that. Um... If I have a negative thing to say about this song, it's it it is that at some point, as as Beth Orton said, one drink too many and a joke gone too far, there does come a point in this song where I'm like, You're done. Oh, they are done very by the time the sax solo comes in, you're kinda or trumpet solo, I guess, you're kinda done. So I mean, even there's universal elements of this song that last forever. Um, I, I really do find this song irritating. Well, going back to it and if you can divorce yourself from how ubiquitous it was in 1998, I think you can go back and hear like a pretty good song. Oh yeah, there's there's definitely an incredible. I, but I, you know, when you said it was it's it's parts, it sounds like three different songs. Oh yeah, the um, I drink a whiskey drink. I drink does not sound like the same song as the O'Danny Boy part. No, it doesn't sound like the same song as I get knocked down part. You're totally right. This is three separate songs that yeah. they rolled together for the hit. I mean, and it is only about 45 seconds, 50 seconds of song that they just do three or four times. Really? And no one needs that. With moderate, with like really minor lyric changes here and there. 
I don't even know if there's any lyric changes. Just Oh Danny Boy to Don't Cry for Me. Oh, don't cry. Yes, yeah, you're right, you're right. And that's, um, I like, is there anything different with the songs that remind him of the good times? He sings the songs that remind him of? I don't think so. That's kind of, if any, if any song on this list from episode one of the Now and Again cast is going to resonate through, like, as a thesis of that, it's that line. It sings the songs that remind him of the good times, sings the songs that remind him of the better times. In a better song, that would be a really good lyric. You know, and it's really interesting that you brought up that lyric because I actually equate this to, bear with me, I equate this to, what song by Journey is that? Why can't I think of the goddamn name? Don't Stop Believing. Yeah. I equate this with Journey's Don't Stop Believing because it is for me, this is the song at the end of the bar, at the end of the bar night, that's the song at the end of every Jersey wedding. Yeah. And... It's because... Is this like Ireland's or... Uh, I'm sorry. Jungle, no, they are but, Irish. Uh, is this like Ireland's Born to Run? It is. I, I was literally going to go to Born to Run next. I had a whole thing ready about how I'm, I'm not that big into Springsteen. I'm actually more of a Mellencamp guy. I know that's weird. Oh. This song is when you um, realize your drink is empty. And if, if it wasn't so ubiquitous at this time, I think it would... I think it would have a better legacy. Oh. But it was just everywhere for a certain amount of time. And like I said, it's 45 seconds of song stretched times five. So think about it at the time, it was stretched times five, times 30, times 60, times 100. And which Now guys, going back to it, it's kind of, it's better than you remember. It's not a bad song at all. No, and what's crazy is a lot of songs on the radio now are sped up to fit into the three and a half minute mm-hmm. mark. Songs are slightly sped up. This was before that. This motherfucker dragged its feet all the way out. This yeah. is like trying to watch this is like trying to watch an episode without being cut for syndication and you're like, "Wait, where the hell did this plot come from?" Yeah. It's it's almost disarming that this song just won't end. I like the idea of a radio song about pissing too. Yeah. I'm totally into it. R. Kelly is too. <laughs> Rubber banding that motherfucker. Yep. But um yeah, I tub thumping. So we are uh unfortunately out of now. Uh but this segment it's called Rap Genius takes us to the website Rap Genius. And, um, I'm actually very excited. I've never even heard of this site before this yeah, whole process. If you don't know this website, it's basically, it started off as a place where you can go to see rap lyrics and people would annotate them to explain their, uh, their references and, things, and their, their illusions and things like that. But now it's just become open to, uh, to all music. And a lot of people who just... <laughs> I mean, you know how Wikipedia is kind of trash. This is like that. So this is like that Spice Girls fanfic we were reading about before? Exactly. I'm so ready. Um, My body is ready. Let's take Fastball away first. I'm I'm more of a fan of the song than you. So you read the lyric. Yeah. And I'll read the annotation. Uh, Should I read it with emphasis? I mean, be as dramatic as you'd like. They drank up the wine and they got to talking, but now had more important things to say. As the couple loses touch with the complications of modern living, they become closer to one another and have deeper and more interesting conversations. And when the car broke down, they started walking. As mentioned earlier, the couple was on a road trip. They were found dead in their car, which had broken down. Clearly the dead couple did not begin walking. Rather, their spirits walked away from happily... Well, uh... This is not bracket sick. This is just poorly uh, written by a rap genius. Let me do that again. Clearly, the dead couple did not begin walking. Rather, their spirits walked away from happily from a complicated world. 
I have to be real. This reads like it was an eighth grader's assignment annotating lyrics they liked. Oh, yeah. This is like baby's first uh, poetry jam. I'm, I'm so into it. Um, anyone can see the road that they walk on is paved in gold. Revelation 2121. <laughs> New King James Version. Oh, thank God. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. In heaven, no one is bothered by temperature or the lack of food. There will be no return to earth, but the highway took them where they are now happiest. The idea of, like, a road being gold is not... I mean, maybe it started there, but, like, it's become more of a cultural thing than just revelations. Like, that's as much Fievel goes west as it is revelations. I, it's a little bit off to see the wizard. Yeah. Okay, well, now it's about to get... It's about to get serial, guys. You can see their shadows wandering off somewhere. They won't make it home, but they really don't care. They wanted the highway. They're happier there today. Shadows are a representation of their spirits. As they walk aimlessly through the wilderness, although they're aware they've left everything behind them, including their family and their home, the couple appears unconcerned. On their way to the festival, their original destination, they became disoriented and made several wrong terms. They wanted the highway means that they were in search of a particular road, but are happier as is. I would fail that student. This is rap genius, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, do you want to take Flagpole Sit or oh. do you want to take Hanson's Mbop? Clearly I want Mbop. All right, I'll do the lyrics there. Okay. You have so many relationships in this life. Only one or two will last. You go through all the pain and strife. Then you turn your back and they're gone so fast. Noting how all of the struggle often leads only to separation, Hansen dropped a surprisingly mature idea. Do not take things too seriously. The mbop is a simple reminder that all good things must pass. <laughs> I'm almost mad. <laughs> well, uh, how about the annotation to mbop, yeah. Well, uh, this next one... Terrific. Hansen have stated in interviews, thanks guys, Hansen have stated in interviews that the mbop itself is supposed to represent the passage of time. It's supposed to represent sort of time passing. There's a part of the song that says, in an mbop they're gone, in an mbop they're not there. Sort of to represent that the things are gone in an mbop. Do you think, is that metric or imperial? <laughs> Should we start, let's start like, uh, this podcast has been like 12 mbops long. I used to count Ashanti albums by the number of babies. Well, anything that's in like three and a half hour bursts, I refer to as an extended Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. This is, um, I would just like so what's to... what's an umbop? Is it like a, is it a lifetime or is it like a three and a half minutes of shittiness? I don't know. I kind of, I feel like, I feel like unto each soul. Is, <laughs> we can each define our own umbops. I feel like, I feel like if you search inside yourself, there's a number and everybody's got like, it's like some people have a sleep number. <laughs> And some people have a number of partners, and some people have a favorite number. And for the rest of us, we have an internal umbop gauge, and we, we just get like the meter reader to come to our house, and we just have them check the gauge, and they say, uh, just so you know, you're at seven kilobops. Um, <laughs> kilobops. We try to keep people at like three kilobops. <laughs> Anything longer 
is like mm, too much bop. There's a scientist pipetting millibops somewhere. <laughs> he's, he's actually, I mean, he is quite seriously just counting the bops of his life. Um, you know, I bop, you bop, we bop, she you bop. Know, Abe Vigoda lived so many mega bops. He lived so many mega bops. <laughs> many bops ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, <laughs> but inside of all of us, yeah, there is a there is a bop number. You want to read the, the uh, lyrics to Flagball Sitter? Oh, I, I sure do. Fingertips have memories. Mine can't forget the curves of your body. Fingertips have memories is a play on muscle memory. Since he touched their body, he still remembers what it feels like. No, it's a play on memories. It's memories, you asshole. It's memories. Okay. Uh, that's an, you know that's an interesting line. Do you do you think that you have muscle memory to ex lovers? No, I think you have synaptic memory to ex lovers. I think you have muscle memory to remember how to make a G chord. I think I feel like. I feel like, yeah, I've been with some dudes and I'm like, yeah, you know, I remember this is what his back felt like. But like, I'm not like muscle memory of my hands contouring to exactly the shape of his shoulder blades. I'm like, no, that's just fucking memory. <laughs> Going back, changing my review. Flagpole said as flagpole shitty. <laughs> okay. So when I feel a bit naughty, I run up the flagpole and see. Who salutes, but no one ever does. Ooh, flagpole sitta. He runs up the flagpole and sits I'm, there. I'm, I'm pushing my glasses on my farther up my nose for this explanation. In social media, we show how we connect to what a person says by retweeting or liking or sharing. In this case, he runs his opinion up the flagpole to show the world, but no one salutes. In other context, Sean might be referring to... He's, this person's on a first-name basis with the lead singer of this band. Hey, a lot of these people have been very... Melanie got in the car. Yeah. And, like... Sean might be referring to masturbation. <laughs> For example, and when I feel a bit naughty means when he gets sexual feelings and run it up the flagpole or running up, running his hand up and down his shaft. Number one, there is no less sexual term for a penis than shaft. Nope. That's number one. Number two... Actually, this song just took on a whole new meaning for me, and I don't want to be a dickhole, but like, oh, funny. Um, but like, if he's talking about, n I'm not sick, but I'm not well, I'm so hot, and I'm in hell, and flagpole sit at, and if you use this running up the flagpole, he's kind of hoping she'll sit on his flagpole. Sure, why he not? He remembers the feel of her body, and when he feels a bit naughty, he, he just... wants to have sex with this, this girl again, but he's just jerking off? Yeah. Sure. He wants to publish zines, like dirty girl zines, and he wants to rage against machines. Maybe he he got like one of those old school automated Japanese flashlight fuckers. Or she knows fuckers. that she's just using a vibrator these days. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. He, he wants to pierce his tongue. It doesn't hurt. It feels fine. Now I'm gonna flick it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. And I think he says something about losing his mind. Sure. Sure. You know, losing his mind. Head stuff. I think it's there. I think. I think there's a reading of this. Just finish this off. I don't want to. I see what's coming. They cut off my legs. Now I'm an amputee. God damn you. Just like Lieutenant Dan on Forrest Gump. What the fuck is on Forrest Gump? On Forrest Gump? Like, this is the Lieutenant... annotation. This is not our our shitty comedy. Like, I'm going to be real. That's what's on there. I've not seen Forrest Gump since I was about 11, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember Lieutenant Dan getting amputated on top of Forrest. <laughs> Especially in the context. Like, Lieutenant Dan didn't get amputated because uh, of, like, anxiety or anything like that. He got amputated because of Vietnam. Or obsessive masturbation. <laughs> like, that, that was also not a reason he lost his legs. 
All right, so we're jumping to uh, Karma Police by Radiohead. And that's, you know, we, we talked about how we felt about that song. Um, so this is kind of a combination of Citation Needed and uh, Rap Genius. So this first part, I'm going to read um, a couple of examples I found about Tom York saying what he, what he wrote. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Death of the Author as a way to read things. Um, but this is what Tom York was saying about Karma Police. In 2006, he explained to The Independent, it's for someone who has to work for a large company. This song is a song against bosses. Fuck the middle management. York explained that the song was about stress and having people look at you in a certain malicious way. I can't handle it anymore. York and Johnny Greenwood emphasized in interviews that the song had a humorous bent. It's not entirely serious, said the former. I hope people will realize that. So... Rap Genius also has a section um, after the annotations where you can just discuss the song. So we're going to have a little dialogue here. So you're the the highest rated poster um, about Karma Police. So read that first uh, wall of text for us, please. Oh, I tell me tell me all about your interpretation of, of uh, Karma Police as the whole of its parts. For the record, I thought you said Carmel Police, and I'm very excited about that song as well. <laughs> okay. The central question in understanding this song is, quote, are the karma police, end quote, good or evil? I think that as described in the song, the karma police and slash or the narrator are evil. In the beginning, the narrator calls on the karma police to punish a man who, quote, talks in maths and buzzes like a fridge, end quote, and a woman with a bad haircut. (laughs) These people don't deserving any punishment, so I fear that the narrator is calling on the karma police uh, to enforce conformity on these two people who don't fit in and irritate the narrator. This is what you get when you mess with us, is a threat against those who don't conform. Starting with, karma police, I've given all I can. We see that the narrator himself suffers from his participation in enforcing conformity. The karma police stifle human expression and emotions, so the narrator warns us that this is what you get when you mess with us. After this brief moment of self-expression, the narrator regains control of himself with the line, For a minute there, I lost myself. Well, I have a um, follow-up to that. For one, the song's intensely personal narration implies that the narrator is the one enforcing these ideas of of conformity and that the concept of karma and societal uniformity are integrally linked. Follow these rules and nothing bad will happen is essentially what York is attempting to decry. That's why York changes his position in the song in the last two stanzas, and the song itself literally changes in composition and tempo, representing a return to reason. People who interpret Karma Police to be a sort of revenge of the nerds, outcasts kind of story aren't taking into consideration the narrator's evil intentionality, nor are they considering that the narrator's own apothesis in the last two stanzas. A major shift in the message of the song signals York's own intentions and alerts us to that karma when attached to societal norms is backwards and serves only to marginalize the people further. An ironic jab at the utility of the police force is also made by referring to karma, an originally neutral concept, as the karma police, both of which have gained a rather negative connotation in various instances in the... What was any of that that we just read? So, okay. This goes on for about 50 of these. Uh, you know, yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I, I read and write comic books a lot. So every now and then, someone will come along and they'll say, guys, I, I don't know if everybody heard, uh, the X-Man, Iceman, recently came out as gay in a implausibly weird story that doesn't really make a lot of sense. They found some comment in... They found, he either said, I'm curious about something in, like, 1965, or he said, I'm not into that girl in, like, 1960-something, whatever. And people were like, see, Stanley always meant for Iceman to be gay. Not really understanding that nowadays Stanley just sort of pops out of boxes screaming <laughs> Excelsior at people, spraying them with whipped cream, and then going back down into his <laughs> box. push him in front of a camera for a movie and go, just exist. Kind of. I mean, Stanley is, uh, yeah. But, I mean, um, you know, that's not to denigrate Dan Lee, but oh, no. dude is old as shit. Dude is old as shit. And, I mean, he is responsible for everything in my childhood. But, um, you know, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm looking at what Tom York really said about the song, and I gotta be real. It's as if the song... <laughs> so, <laughs> Tom York gives three different meanings to this song, and it's like the comments... <laughs> Each spit in the meaning, he's like, it's like when, it's like, it's like being part of a large thing and having people tell you what to do. I think this is what the song is about! And then it's like, um, it's about having people look at you like you're evil. I think the song is about someone who's evil! And then it he's like... It goes real off the rails. And then he's like, you know, just take it, don't take it too seriously, guys. And everybody's like, this song is so serial. I, I, I... I love the person who compares it to Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. What? I, I saw Outcasts and was really hoping that people would think that there was an Outcast cover, because I would absolutely listen to that. Karma Police are coming for you, Andre Three Thousand. I would. I mean, I can add Karma Police. Like, I mean, it would be super cool. And then you'd have Big Boy in the background going, "Yo, the Karma Police are coming." Like, it would be. I'd love that. Get, again, Tori Alamaze. Get Tori Alamaze on here. <laughs> this that would be the hottest song. I, guys. I know you're part of the secret celebrity cult that listens to us because in the hours we've been recording this, it's clearly become very famous. But Outcast, if you're listening, now that's what I would call music. You need to cover Karma Police. Mm -hmm. Get on it with, call him Thom Yorkie. That is what he prefers. <laughs> when you like, call like a really cute dog? <laughs> Thom Yorkie. Oh my God. All right, can you read the last lyrics to uh, Lenny Kravitz Fly Away? Oh, of course. Let's go and see the stars, the Milky Way, or even Mars. At first glance, Kravitz appears to reference destinations that gradually get farther away from the last one. Stars, the Milky Way, Mars. You'd think he was naming them by size. When you name things in a list, you typically name them from least to greatest. Here, it's the other way around. He's naming them from greatest to least. Also... Mars is part of the Milky Way. Naming Mars in this list is a little redundant, but it happens to work for the song. Still, someone needs to apply some Bill Nye stat before this guy decides to fly. Okay, so hyperliteral poster. Let's have a quick conversation about how you probably don't get most jokes. Okay, um, number one, I think it sounds more like he's talking about candy. Milky Way, let's go have a Mars bar. Yeah. It's, this is sex and candy all over again. We can go outside or we can just eat candy. Um, I think it is really terrific that in saying basic astronomy, basic astronomy, you're like, quick, call Bill Nye. Yeah. 
of all the scientists. I hate Stephen how he, Hawking. I hate how he's become like the uh, the go to for like nerds who are like, you've got this. Him and fucking Neil deGrasse. Neil deGrasse. Fuck that guy. I, I I do find his his his. I think he is occasionally problematic for the things he he posts in reference to women. I think no one gives a shit about the intricacies of how uh, sound would work in the Star Wars universe. Right. I didn't like that. That's it, you know, it's... I don't know when, but we at some point decided to get rid of satire and replace it with sarcasm. And at some point we decided to it's get rid of... It's about when Twitter happened. I mean, that's it. And we decided to replace creative attempt at dissection with hyper-literal antics. Yeah. And I think... Um, I am so glad. I was really confused. I I was really confused. I thought to myself that Lenny Kravitz fly away was a flight manifesto for his USS Kravitz to take off into space. It's a giant penis first, shaped it's, rocket. It's the first private space endeavor ever. And this is literally the itinerary. So later on when he says going to fly away, he's actually saying they're just going to shoot off into space going nowhere. And I am so glad this fucking dude saw the flaw in the plan and said, dude, if you want to just fly away forever and you go to the Milky Way and then back to Mars. Do you know how many light years that even is? Dude, you're Lenny. wasting your time. Because like Zoe, Zoe could use some of that fuel money, I guess. Hyper literal ass hat. You are hyper literal. Yeah. And you didn't even pick an astronomer. You no. picked a, I mean... Bill Nye has more important things to do. He has to keep verbally sparring with Sarah Palin. I, you can't take him off of that to have him help Lenny Kravitz, who is very busy designing fiery dresses for Jennifer Lawrence. So, wow, what a way to miss the whole point of fun and music, yeah. dude. This guy never had fun in his life. I mean, I... Yeah, you're right. You're right, dude. I, I mean, we live in the Milky Way, don't we? Absolutely. And so, Earth is part of If Mars is part of it, Earth most certainly is. Yeah, you know, and so I'm just like... Pluto, questionable. Quest, very questionable. I mean, like, psh, that it's not even a planet anymore. Now what is it? It's, it's a baby... I think it's back to a planet. I thought it was like a baby dwarf or something. Like I think there was enough, I think, uh, petitions maybe? I don't know. I, we have to get Bill Nye's stat. Quick, get Bill Nye, because no one remembers where we left Pluto's planet birth certificate. We need to double check. Now, the long-form Pluto birth certificate. I, I know we could just check his social security card, literal poster, but we want to do the illogical thing and get our hands on the long-lost birth certificate. I literally am so annoyed by this post. Yeah, Rap Genius is awful, and we'll be coming back to that quite a bit. Um, so... Stars. 1998, November, that's when this came out. Um, Happy Turkey Day. Yeah. I'm going to ask you, I mean, it can be something that you just relate to that time. It can be something that came out at that time. It can be, you know, whatever. We're a very freeform podcast. Uh, you recommend something from that era or from that, you know, something that relates to you in that time, that space. Um, yeah, let's let's get... Yeah, let's do a recommendation section. What do you got? Let's get even gayer. Mariah Carey, uh, Butterfly. Uh, she refers to it as her Nessendorma, and I think there is a lot to be said about that. Um, you know, one thing that everybody forgets with Mariah Carey's incredibly high notes and her ever-growing cleavage is that she is a truly brilliant songwriter. Um, other much... I don't want to say much more successful as songwriters, per se, but other equally successful songwriters uh, like uh, Jimmy Jam and... Um, Terry Lewis said when they, she was brought in to write with them, they were bored. They had nothing to do. She wanted to do everything and just wanted to run stuff by them. Um, 
It's a really incredible album. It had an insane number of singles. Let's not forget, she is still the woman with the most number ones of yep. all time. It's something that pop always gets shit for. Is like, oh, you're just a pop singer. That means you don't write your own shit. It's like, no, a lot of them do. Yeah, Honey, Butterfly, My All, The Roof, Butterfly, uh, Breakdown. We're only two years out from Heartbreaker and its remix. Yeah. Which is great. I, uh, yeah, that's, I would definitely say check out um, Butterfly. It's a pretty significant record. And at the same time, I'd also say check out, uh, for something completely unrelated, Tori Amos is from the Choir Girl Hotel. It was an electro-rock album that was conceived around the idea of the sorrow she felt from her miscarriage. And if we're talking about a guy who said at the start of this, it's all about my pain. <laughs> Not that that was my pain, but I found a way to apply it to being a really upset seventh grader. If, you, uh, if you're listening to this and you uh, have gotten this far and you have not checked out some Tori Amos yet, um, it's like a Bloody Mary thing. Nico will come and knock on your door. Actually, I just start pounding on your door screaming, Erica, Erica, that bitch, Erica. <laughs> and the only way to get away from me is if your bathroom connects to another room as yep. well. It's, it's very the magical key. You just need to have, like, the portal. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to recommend uh, a movie. Uh, I have this very clear memory from around this time. Uh, and granted, like, I was in sixth grade at this time. It's Armageddon, isn't it? <laughs> I uh, I don't want to close my eyes. No. I don't want to fall asleep. That was their first number one. That's interesting, because that's... I mean, they didn't even there's going to be some Aerosmith stuff on Nows, and, like, we're in the darkest timeline, Aerosmith, yeah. at this point in history. Like, I could do some Aerosmith from earlier than this. Like, a decade earlier than this. Yeah, we're talking about Pop Aerosmith. When he was sexualizing his daughter in music videos. Yeah, that happened. We'll talk about that when we get to Aerosmith. But yeah, that was um, first number one. So, movie. Um, so, I have this very clear memory of uh, uh, blockbuster <laughs> video, uh, children who are still listening to this. There are still uh, 50 in the United States. Don't worry, they can find one. Yeah, they, you used to be able to go to a place where you could rent uh, movies. It's like a box with Netflix in it. It's like going to a red box, but like the whole store was a red box. Mm. Um, and my cousin, who was like two years older than me, and we were looking for something silly to watch, something fun, because I was like 12 and he was like 14, so we wanted some some silliness. Uh, I'm sure at this point we both really liked American Pie or something like that. Um, and the two movies we rented were Dead Man on Campus and Rushmore, and we watched Rushmore first because it had Bill Murray, and uh, you know we liked Bill Murray, but it wasn't very funny. It wasn't very good, not a good movie. And then we laughed our asses off at Dead Man on Campus. Because we were, well, um, I'm going to recommend Rushmore because Rushmore is a brilliant movie. Uh, Wes Anderson, you know, we're all shitty hipsters here. We all love Wes Anderson. Uh, Rushmore is my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Uh, It's a movie that really hits you in a lot of the right places. The thing that does brilliantly is you can see everything from every character's perspective. You can kind of see it from Max's naive, kind of shitty young kid perspective. You can see things from drunken, old, hates-his-life Bill Murray's perspective, and you can also see things from the rational teacher's perspective. Um, It's a movie that doesn't judge. It's a movie that's really funny, uh, and it's a movie that uh, still works almost 20 years later. Um, Rushmore, if I had to recommend only one Wes Anderson movie to anybody, it would probably be Rushmore, and uh, that's right about this time. So uh, my recommendation is... Wes Anderson's Rushmore starring Phantom Planet's own Jason Schwartzman and, and Ghostbusters' own Bill Murray. And if you play Mariah Carey's Butterfly from the second lion roar, they sync yes. up perfectly. Uh-huh. The moment when uh, Bill Murray jumps into the pool, oh boy. Mariah hits a note like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. She, it, you'd like the way you feel inside. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Nico, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, I, you so much. I, I, I am just so glad uh, we have determined um, exactly how many micro bops are in an oombop. Yeah. I am so glad I have learned that you were never a Backstreet Boys fan. No, fuck that. Um, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty pleased to see the things we have musically in common and respect for my lack of knowledge of the mighty mighty Boston's <laughs> chronology. I am grateful for everything I have learned today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. We will hear from you soon. Uh, in the meantime, where can people find you? Uh, at thedemonhotel.com. You can't miss it. T-H-E-D-E-M-O-N-H-O-T-E-L.com. I'm not positive I spelled that right. Um, also, there's links to finding me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, and all the, you know, all the places I overshare. Yeah, you can find me on... Uh Twitter. I just joined Twitter, so please like come experience that with me. You're aware that Twitter is now losing users <laughs> every month and is the first social platform since MySpace to crash, right? Is it because of me? No, I literally think you're so behind on this one, you can't even pretend you're responsible. <laughs> you can find me at uh, Molly underscore ringworm uh, with a U instead of an O. Uh, you can also find uh, this podcast at cageclub.me. We're part of the Cage Club Network. If you want to join in on the discussion or just tell us how wrong we are, nowandagaincast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. For Nico, I'm Chris Mattiello, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Oh,